the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call Lawn Doctor today. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com, or call them 401-392-1025. Petro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website to Petro.com. U.S. Olympian and black activist, black, black Lives Matter activist Gwen Berry turns away from the U.S. flag, very upset that they played the anthem, you know, which should have been a great moment. So she said she was a setup. They played the anthem on purpose, would not face it standing there with a scowl she actually looks like a clown with the way her makeup is i don't know what that's all about placed her left hand on her hip and would not face the flag i was upset to be honest they were going to play before they walked out then they played it when we were out there she put her shirt over her head she got the bronze medal activist athlete the anthem doesn't speak for me it never has what an absolute disgrace folks this is you know and i I can't believe it but if this is the type of person who's going to represent the our country if this is the type of person who's going to be representing us at the olympics which let's face it the olympics have fallen off in popularity in the olympics where they're going to allow a, a transgender to take part in the weightlifting and so forth um but the, the fact, if, that, if that's what it's going to be, then I would actually root for someone else. The fact that she has the nerve, she doesn't know what that flag means. She doesn't understand. If she is that embarrassed about her country, then she doesn't have to be representing us. What an absolute disgrace. Yeah, try going to another country and see how they would treat you that way. Or the progress that we have made in this country. And what it means to be proud to be an American. Oh, I didn't know I was upset. Turns away as they're playing our national anthem. No class, no respect, no pride. So great to see the other two Olympians standing there, hands over their heart. With the, I'm glad. It's too bad she came in third. Looks like such a clown standing there. What an is this if this is what it's going to be like with the Olympics, they're going to ruin the Olympics, period. My mission is bigger than sports. Your vehicle on your mission is sports. That's what puts you in the spotlight. That's what's put you in the news. The opportunity it has afforded the different athletes. So these, you know, this business and then saying, oh, I didn't know they were going to play it. I don't want to hear the. Our national anthem that has always been the tradition. There is just, I I can't stand people like that, like the nerve of you and what your country, the opportunities afforded and what you've been able to accomplish because of it is unmatched. And this continual drumbeat of, see, it'll never be enough, but it's, it's spoken out of ignorance. It's not out of knowledge. They have no idea what it's like. They have no idea what it's like in, in other countries, how so much of what they've accomplished would, would never have happened in other countries, how far the United States has come. Despite what someone like that says, we have a proud history. But can you imagine that is your moment? That is your moment in the sun. And granted, listen, still, a, a bronze medal is a bronze medal. And they have that type of, of attitude and showed complete disrespect and say, then, then what would be her reaction to another country's national anthem? Should someone, in fact, win the gold medal? What an absolute disgrace. Now, so there's some other stories. I also want to mention 
water fire is endangered by the uh, Providence City Council. Folks, something has to be done, as I have been telling you, to try to revitalize downtown. And I'm going to defer to a lot of the business owners, restaurant owners, say water fire brings people into the city. Water fire brings masses of people into the city. Now, right now, because of all the protests, people are afraid to go to downtown Providence, and with good reason. As someone that spent all of last summer and into the fall covering a lot of the unrest and the problems in downtown Providence, I get that. But one thing that would make people feel safer would be crowds of people. People feel safer in crowds. There's safety in numbers. And the more crowds, it's much better than being in a desolate situation. So the fact that the city council doesn't identify that, and I'll defer to there are people that do business downtown, especially the restaurants that say in hotels that when you have a water fire, people, they'll book a hotel room and stay overnight. They'll go out to dinner. They'll come into the city. Maybe they'll come a little bit early and walk around. It helps the economy. It's family oriented. It's it's different. Uh, you don't have this and the other things. It's something that a lot of people from Southeastern Mass come in. A lot of people say, you know, they're going to do a water fire. It's be a nice night. We'll go out to dinner, stroll along. It's uh, it's very different. And then we'll go out for a drink. And then who knows? Maybe we'll make a full night of it, stay overnight in one of the hotels there, have brunch the next day. And and it's vibrancy. It's it's helping the economy. It's bringing life back. The fact that the Providence City Council doesn't identify that is just shameful. And when you think of all the money going everywhere else, water fire, which again, it's a good tourist thing. It does. It brings people in. People like it. It's it's different. Uh, it makes the whole city of Providence feel different when there's a water fire going on. They should do it. You know, I think they should actually do it every other week during the summer, maybe even every Saturday night. It's something to go to. It's something that it pulls in a lot of different people, not just from Rhode Island, but even Massachusetts and Connecticut. A lot of people from Massachusetts, Southeastern Mass, say we're going to go to Providence and go out to dinner and there's a water fire that night and it adds like a nice festival element uh, to the city. And again, it's it's uh, people don't have to pay. A lot of people like it because it's a free event and it's uh, it's tranquil, but it's a, it's a different attraction. And how do you not find the money for that? Well, we may have some money for it in the fall. I am telling you, downtown Providence is a ghost town. Downtown Providence is desolate. Downtown Providence needs people, needs people to come in, needs people, visible bodies. It needs to all of the different uh tourism type businesses they need in they need an injection on fuel of some cash and it'd be good for them to have a sold out night and they're full and there's tables and people sitting outside and bring you know some life back into the area that needs to happen now folks another story obviously they're watching is the situation regarding the unarmed teen that was shot shot by the off-duty Pawtucket police officer now the attorney for the teens is going to have a press briefing later today. There's nothing good about this story. This is a this story. Uh, there's nothing good about it. I don't see any type of defense. I can't believe if you see the video with the video posted on the website to petro.com. If you've seen the video, uh, these people saying I need the full story. The story is right there in the video. We're not talking about someone that committed a crime. We're not talking about someone that threatened the officer. You're talking about an unarmed 18-year-old who's backing up. And these people saying, well, I need to see what happened before then. It doesn't matter what happened before then. You're talking about the use of deadly force. We're talking about an off-duty police officer out of his district. He's in Pawtucket. He's in West Greenwich and leaps under the hood of a car and shoots an unarmed driver. And I'm just amazed. And there was no weapon found in the car. And the driver doesn't have a criminal record. These people, well, I need to see what happened beforehand. All you need to see is what happened. Someone was saying, well, maybe there was a hostage in the car. Yeah, maybe some aliens came down and they uh, took over the guy's head and mind and they were making him. No, none of that happened. Now, I am a supporter of the police. I'm a backer of the blue. But if you're going to do that, you know, there has to be the right circumstances. It just doesn't mean you back no matter what. This is insanity. I see nothing to justify it. I think the story is bad. It's also a matter of, let's face it, race comes into play. The three youths are white. If that were 
I think there's I think that that comes into play. And I'll say why, because if if that were an unarmed black driver shot by a white police officer, the police officer would have been arrested that night and be a national story. So I have investigated this, folks. Again, I have the story up on DePetro.com. Several of them. There was no weapon. There was no criminal behavior. I don't know. They had some kind of encounter on the highway. What did one of the kids in the car flip them off? I don't know. Let's just say that's true. Yeah. All right. That's bad. I don't like it either. And maybe an off-duty cop doesn't like it. That's not reasonable. You're talking about deadly force. Use of deadly force. You don't use deadly force when someone is unarmed, retreating, and no threat to you. He didn't have a weapon on him. Nothing. This thing does not end well at all. All right. We have a lot ahead. It is the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals. 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers. Maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. It's spring and time to call J. Cannell Engineering today at 401-351-7600. J. Cannell Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, pretty soon it'll be warm. It'll be hot. Why not have central air for your home? Call J. Cannell Engineering today, 401-351-7600. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial, in the wintertime. JKL, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's going to be a hot summer. Call JKL Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call JKL, 401-351-7600. For 54 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL. They do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer. Call JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today. For for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401-351-7600-401. 351-7600. It's JKL Engineering. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. It is time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, let's start off. the. Uh, it was really a full week of coverage I want to give credit, obviously, to uh, Kate Nagel, Go Local Prop. They stayed on the story about Sheldon Whitehouse's membership in Bailey's Beach Club. And um, as much as he tries to deny, well, it's not me, it's my family. But uh, a lot of different dynamics to it. And I'm anxious to hear some of your, your thoughts on this. 
Well, for me, and I wrote about this on Anchor Rising, the, the bottom line point here is that trying to get to play by a kind of a, a reasonable standard. You know, we're an old club. It takes time for these things to change, et cetera. And that's great. And I think most people understand that. But that's the whole point. We're not more and more the regular folks are not getting to live by this standard. And Senator Whitehouse pushes the racial uh, division stuff just as much as any other left-wing Democrat. And I think that to me is the real underlying point. And the people who complain, oh, it's they've got some diversity or, or this or that. I mean, we had Keith Stokes, uh, who's involved with a, uh, a black history group in Newport talking about, well, you know, my father was in an all black club. It used to be that way. Yeah, that's fine. But let's get back to the to the reality here that right. people are being canceled, organizations are being really hindered and shut down based on this standard that they've got to be instantly integrated and, and talk about their white privilege and all that stuff. You, you can't have it both ways. I think that's the, the bottom line of the whole story. Yeah. And not only that, but this this type of club and it's it goes beyond privilege and exclusive. This isn't a matter of whether or not you can afford or, I mean, you think where we are in, in society now, this is a club. They want to know who your ancestors were. You have to submit, you know, where did you go to school? How did you make, this is old, you know, Yankee money, so to speak, blue blood. Uh, th- this is goes beyond, this is like definition of privilege. You know, they talk about white privilege, but Keith Stokes trying to give him a, an out and saying, well, like that. Um, do you think the way he was then he came out with a statement saying this is right wing media that's driving this. And then initially also said, Justin, uh, I was caught off guard. I was at a different event and I took this report at the premise. First of all, let's start off. Do you think the way that the reporter approached him and questioned him was was reasonable and within bounds? Well, I think so. I mean, it's kind of what elected officials are supposed to expect, right? You're always subject to answering questions from the public. As a reporter, that's just the way it is. I mean, more and more, I'm dealing with this locally and at the state level, more and more the channels to get information, whether it's calling the PR people or uh, putting in requests for public records, they're becoming a means to slow roll things, to delay giving answers. So that's really, if you're an elected official, you've got to be prepared for that. And the idea that Senator Whitehouse, if he did not know for the past 15 years that Bailey's Beach was something he had to have an answer about, he shouldn't be in public office because it's an obvious point of contention for a left-wing senator to have to deal with. Uh, So he he should have had an answer right on the tip of his tongue. And everybody should have a right to approach their elected officials. I mean, within reason, you know, you don't want to, unlike unlike Antifa, we shouldn't be banging on people's doors in the middle of the night. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's, it should be completely in balance. So the idea that well, maybe that's, a, maybe that's an explanation, but it's not an excuse, and it doesn't it doesn't change the facts of the of the case. Yeah, and her his answers to her is really what was was driving the story, and he, he gave uh, uh, answers that then, as he started to release these statements and tried to, as they call it, clean it up afterwards, it was his own words that that got him into the mess. I think it also speaks volumes that he is at a local event and considers the local press as I've kind of said in the past, he considers them an ally and got caught off guard that a local member of the press would be asking him this. I think he was under the impression that if this were one of the TV stations or so forth, that they certainly wouldn't be asking him about something like Bailey's Beach Club. <clears throat> Spoke our, our segment is Politics This Week with Justin Katz. Justin, also, um, and I, did, I didn't write a story about it, but I did tweet that What was incredible to me was this story absolutely rocketed last week. It blew up. So far, it's the biggest local national story driven of that way of the year. Obviously, Governor Mundo becoming uh, Commerce Secretary and then Dan McKee, but just in a different category, the way a local story then goes national. But what was missing to me, I thought was interesting, was this was a female reporter questioning, you know, the very privileged white male Senator Whitehouse. And I didn't see any congratulatory way to go, you go girl, girl power, anything like that on social media from any of the uh, other female local reporters who in the past year have been very, very visible and big presence on social media. What, what is your take on that? Why do you think that was that 
I again, I didn't see one female uh, say like publicly on social media, you know, good, great job by uh, Kate Nagel. Yeah, well, I think I think there are probably I don't know, four reasons behind that. And the first is the one you you just mentioned with White House. He's correctly thinks the local media believes they're on his team. So, I mean, the fact that this story was out there, almost like low-hanging fruit, and nobody else had grabbed it, that shows you that, yeah, the local media protects him. So she kind of, from their perspective, Kate Nagel kind of broke the bargain they have. I think another thing is, go local... Unique place in our local media. I mean, it's True. it's very often a kind of a sensation-seeking tabloid. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't do good work from time to time, but that's kind of the role it's it's filling. Uh, and you know, fighting out material they self has its own little uh, its own category in the local media's mind. And I think also Kate. Uh, I, it's been a long time since I spent a lot of time at the state house, but when I did, she wasn't really the other journalists. I mean, even less than I am, and I did, and, and they most of them have blocked me on Twitter. So it gives you a sense, and that might be personality. It might be the go local thing. She may just think I'm here to do a job. I'm not talking with you people. I don't know her very well, uh, but I think that's another angle of it. And then at the end of the day, it's it's a blue and red thing. I mean, we saw in just the past few months how local media really cast shade at and was skeptical of Nicole Solis, the mom in, in South Kingstown. Yes. Uh, and was suspicious of how she got on on Tucker Carlson. That's right. Here. So I think it's a blue versus red thing as well as a all the others. So I think I think all of those things come together and they they probably all just wanted the story to go away and suspected it was just part of that white supremacist right wing media uh, trying to hurt their good local s- senator who, who never means anybody any harm. I think that was probably their attitude. And that, you know, girl power talk on Twitter, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, what's also interesting to me is a lot of times, for instance, they'll be vocal, like, look at this, look how great it is. This, you know, two women are going to anchor the five, five thirty news. And then, or, you know, isn't this great? There's all these women on stage at the Raimondo briefing and we need more women in the audience. And when you think about it, that's really just scheduling and nothing was accomplished by, by doing that. If you just, if they happen to have, you know, five women at a Raimondo press briefing, they're really just doing the job. It was just a matter of scheduling. This was a reporter actually doing something, putting a story into play. There's more of a celebration, so to speak, of people just basically doing their job of which some of it, they don't even have control over just the way it's scheduled as opposed to they can't even identify when someone actually launches a story. And, and that's what happened. They, they caught him. Um, I think it speaks volumes that Senator Whitehouse felt he would be comfortable with the local press. Uh, Justin Katz, what do you think this, you know, people are saying and then reelection. I, I still don't see it because I think the people that support him and vote for him, it's, it's not enough to knock him out by being a member. Now, obviously, you know, he had no problems grilling Brett Kavanaugh about his high school yearbook or Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, if they had, if he had ever determined that they were some, somehow part of like a club or something like that, they'd be hell to pay. But I, it, as much as I think it's embarrassing, I'm not convinced unless someone challenged him in a primary. I don't think this hurts his reelection efforts, which are not until 2024. Oh, not at all. I mean, uh, in the right wing news media nationally, it's been kind of fun to watch. You know, on one side of the screen is uh, the Senator Whitehouse talking about racial disparity on the floor of the Senate. And on the other side, you know, the CNN crew just kind of nodding along um, with their diverse panel and not saying anything about the beach club and all that. I think that's just really par for the course. And I, I think it's all kind of baked in in Rhode Island. That does show, though. There is an opportunity, there is a, for the, the if there's, there remains a persuadable middle in Rhode Island, if there were to be a candidate in either party who could reach out to that group, this might be a way to show, look, they all know this critical race theory stuff, this intersectionality stuff is all hypocrisy and nonsense so i mean it does give some angle for that but i don't i don't see an effect on white house especially i mean if if he were a republican say we were we were in a place where one of our senators were a republican and, and he were part of this beach club there would be you you know 
Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter would be outside that beach, oh, yeah. beach every day. I mean, yes. you know it. They they would be they'd be knocking over their their plaques in the front, and everybody'd be talking about how that's free speech. Yeah. I mean, that's so it's it's all just a political show. And so I, I don't think it'll, the fact that we have. I mean, I was even surprised to get any state organization about it and there was at least one uh but it was kind of a milk toast stuff you know just uh yeah yeah we feel like we have to say something about this but it, the fact that they haven't rate rised up and a lot of the excuses made for for white house have been well you know we're putting this aside because he does i think cicilline was one of the ones who said he he does great work for basically for our ideology so he, he's out there pulling our rope so so cut him some slack on this this is private life stuff uh and so i don't think i don't i don't and and even apart from this i don't think i haven't seen anybody who could challenge him from as a republican so yeah. I, I don't think it'll be i think he's he's safe at least for the next election it did come up in the 2018 race against republican bob flanders but Again, the local media was really not interested in the story, and it didn't, uh, it didn't have legs or really go anywhere. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, politics this week on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110, 508 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, mega truck and trailer repair as i said commercial trailers diesel equipment free estimates fhwa inspections and rhode island state inspection station trailer pickup and delivery 24-hour mobile service serving rhode island and massachusetts it's mega truck and trailer repair call them today 508-336-2110 24-hour mobile service and also abs repairs brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, mega truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today. 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110. It's mega truck and trailer repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Ever in an accident, someone hits your vehicle, it's damaged in some way, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401 272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, on Father's Day, there was a tragedy in Warwick. I want to discuss the media coverage afterwards. I want to give credit to the Boston Globe. They were the only ones to initially report that there was a language barrier. There was a language barrier when the first responders reported to the scene. You had a missing 10-year-old girl. You had three adult males, at least, that went into the water. Unfortunately, one of them drowned. One of them then uh, had to go to the hospital, was in critical condition. Another person had to go to the hospital. But what I thought was interesting was the Globe came right out and mentioned 
that the uh, I think it was state DEM was saying that there was a language barrier. You couldn't find that on the television stations um, where they were focusing more on that. There's a GoFundMe for, you know, one of the bodies to be flown back to Guatemala, pictures of the little girl. When when I think that the fact that these people could not speak English, the signs are in English. And then when the first responders got there, they 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 could not. It was beyond chaotic. They couldn't figure out who was missing. Um what is your thoughts on on the media coverage of what happened with the drownings at Connecticut Point of Warwick? Well, I, yeah, I did. I did note that the uh, the language issue um, was part of it. There's a local group there um, saying that the sign should be in multiple languages, and I, frankly, my my reaction was we we so often get this idea we're going to put we're going to put signs in every language so that people, everybody can read them, uh, which doesn't work because at a certain point you've got so many words people just block, block it out and don't even notice it uh, I, I don't know why we don't more often say this is the importance of having a unified language um, or even even you know, signage of pictures it's pretty easy to draw a stick figure drowning with a skull next to it and people will get the point uh, but it does it does illustrate the, the problem especially as we you know, talk about things like driver's licenses for for illegal immigrants that it's going to attract them here uh, we, at some point we've got to start saying this is going to have an effect the signage as you point out the signage isn't even going to do the trick when the first responders are going to show up and not be able to not be able to communicate or understand what's going on and then so what do you do there do you start hiring uh, more people who, who are multilingual and then do you have to lower standards for physical activity to, to get those folks in there and it really creates a mess and so it's, to some extent I'm I'm not surprised if, if some of the local media a couple minutes on television to, to convey a story and so you go for the human interest angle rather than wading into this really difficult problem of, of language barriers in a society um, but it is it is striking that all of it seems like everybody involved was not it was not necessarily fluent in English. Uh, and that's kind of an interesting interesting marker of a problem we're going to have more and more if, if we can't figure out how to communicate with each other. Yes. And, and on top of that, you know, I want to just circle back on uh, the story regarding South Kingstown, because I don't know if you saw, but Linda Borg, who covers the education for the Providence Journal, who I, I think is one of the most biased reporters in the area, she's just beyond biased. And um, she actually wrote a story about the South Kingstown superintendent, I believe, going to resign. And at the, she puts it at the bottom about the mailer and instead throws out Justin Katz things like, well, you know, this conservative national group that's racist and they're driving all of this. It's uh, it's incredible that that type of stuff is allowed. It's supposed to be a non-biased uh, education reporter. Yeah, well, it's, it's all just so along the ideological lines. And I mean, maybe, maybe that's a marketing decision for some of these news. I've noticed like WPRI has gone way left in the past year or so. And I don't know if that's, that's young woke joining in or if it's more they've figured out their audience wants that content. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, it's, but yeah, it's, it's just so, so beyond and so kind of belittling of, of the real challenges we face. You know, if, if, if you're resisting something, you're, you're automatically a racist. So you don't get the, you, you don't, the media doesn't help people think through these actually very difficult issues we've got. Uh, and I, I think, I think that's what we see. And it's in some regards, like in South Kingstown, that's why they think they can get away with a lot of this stuff, I think, or why White House thinks he can get away with a lot of the stuff is because they know they're all on board with the basic ideology, which is simple narrative. They just push again and again and again. Uh, and it's, you know, the school committee's under siege by racists or, or, uh, that, that alternative media is attacking our good Senator Whitehouse uh, just repeatedly our critical race theory doesn't exist. It's really just teaching people about history, which is, which is nonsense. I wrote on, on Anchor Rising this week that Rhode Island's standards for U.S. history and school got an F from a, a national think a national foundation that reviews these things an F. And that's to me, the problem with critical race theory is it's not a supplement. It's, it's, it's replacing history. They're not getting with, with a fake history. And I, I think we see that in a news media too. It's just this relentless narrative 
narrative. And it's, it's, I think it's dividing our country terribly and, and causing whole, all kinds of problems. And you could almost argue that that kind of attitude is contributing to dangerous situations, not only, not only deaths where, you know, people who can't communicate with emergency workers on a beach after, after a drowning, but, but also gang violence and such in, in the cities, this whole attitude uh, that, that divides our country, I think, is, is contributing to all of that. I think you're right. And Justin, finally, I, it's just something I noticed the other night. There was the uh, shooting, the off-duty uh, police officer from Pawtucket shot, uh, apparently unarmed 18-year-old youth in West Greenwich. But it was just a reminder to me that as I'm at the scene and the West Greenwich police chief is going to have a press briefing. So you have West Greenwich has their own police department. Coventry has their own police department. I think Exeter is actually covered by the state police but it's just it was just another example to me of uh, like I don't have any dealings with the West Greenwich police or the Coventry police. And you just wonder that and no one's talking about it right now. But when you think about in Rhode Island, we should really just have, you know, the Kent County police and it covers all of Kent County and Washington County police. The fact that they all have different cars and different uniforms and different dispatchers and they all have different police chiefs. It, it, it is just and in the whole element of the cities and towns, as you know, was designed that you had to have a town hall that was close enough that people could walk to it. So that's why when you're talking about 39 cities and towns and all these different police departments, it's and on the on the East Bay, you know, Bristol, Barrington, Warren all have their own separate police departments and cars and dispatchers and chiefs and. It's um, it is just no one right now is talking about regionalization. But, you know, when you think about the expense of this and that, you know, as they're talking about, it's getting harder to attract police. I haven't heard anyone say, you know, maybe we don't need all these different police departments. Well, yeah, I mean, I. I worry about regionalization to some extent in Rhode Island. I mean, I, I where I see people who have an alternative view like we do uh, to the mainstream, where we can succeed is often at the local area. Whereas when you start to push things up to the state level, the, the statewide unions just become so much more powerful. I know well, that's true. In, I know in negotiating, uh, when I was on a council in Tiverton negotiating fire contracts, we were getting along with our local much better than, I mean, it, this, it was the state that was causing us problems in our negotiation and the, the larger unions. So I think, I think that's an issue. And I also worry about, and we're seeing from the, well, Biden's really continuing from the Obama administration, the push to essentially make every everything a, a city state. So you fold the suburbs into this into the cities. Uh, and I think there's a danger there where you'll start to see your local taxes going to fund the Providence police, for example. Um, but there there could definitely be more more cooperation across lines. Um, and, and, you know, kind of a, it, it does seem, it also creates a problem where, you know, you get a, so another to become a, a chief or something and they're getting a pension and their pay and that start, that sort of thing could really, really be ironed out. But I, I, I do, I do think regionalization is a conversation we should be having because I'm sure a lot could be done to, to make things smoother, to lower expenses. I just, there is a, it's a, you do have to walk very carefully because there is a big pitfall that the unions I'm sure are salivating over in that direction. Folks, he is the managing editor at anchorrising.com. Justin, Justin, great job. And we will talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. Spring is here. Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com. Outside your home, let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that, that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Softwash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Softwash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L. Their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585, 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com, Bethel Certified Soft Wash and Power Wash. 
Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorrising.com. Justin, on Father's Day, there was a tragedy in Warwick. I want to discuss the media coverage afterwards. I want to give credit to the Boston Globe. They were the only ones to initially report that there was a language barrier. There was a language barrier when the first responders reported to the scene. You had a missing 10-year-old girl. You had three adult males, at least, that went into the water. Unfortunately, one of them drowned. One of them then uh, had to go to the hospital. was in critical condition. Another person had to go to the hospital. But what I thought was interesting was the Globe came right out and mentioned that the, uh, I think it was state DEM was saying that there was a language barrier. You couldn't find that on the television stations um, where they were focusing more on that there's a GoFundMe for, you know, one of the bodies to be flown back to Guatemala, pictures of the little girl. When, when I think that the fact that these people could not speak English, the signs are in English, and then when the first responders got there, they, they, they could not. It was beyond chaotic. They couldn't figure out who was missing. Um, what is your thoughts on, on the media coverage of what happened with the drownings at Connecticut Point in Warwick? Well, I, yeah, I did, I did note that the, uh, the language issue um, was part of it. There's a local group there um, saying that a sign should be in multiple languages. And I, frankly, my, my reaction was we, we so often get this idea we're going to put we're going to put signs in every language so that pe- everybody can read them, uh, which doesn't work because at a certain point, you've got so many words, people just block, block it out and don't even notice it. Uh, I, I don't know why we don't more often say this is the importance of having a unified language um, or even even you know, signage of pictures. It's pretty easy to draw a stick figure drowning with a skull next to it and people will get the point. Uh, but it does it does illustrate the, the problem, especially as we you know, talk about things like driver's licenses for, for illegal immigrants that's going to attract them here uh, we, at some point we've got to start saying this is going to have an effect the signage as you point out the signage isn't even going to do the trick when the first responders are going to show up and not be able to not be able to communicate or understand what's going on and then so what do you do there do you start hiring uh, more people who, who are multilingual and then do you have to lower standards for physical activity to, to get those folks in there and it really creates a mess and so to some extent i'm i'm not surprised if, if some of the local media a couple minutes on television to, to convey a story and so you go for the human interest angle rather than wading into this really difficult problem of, of language barriers in a society um, but it is it is striking that all of it seems like everybody involved was not it was not necessarily fluent in English. Uh, and that's kind of an interesting interesting marker of a problem we're going to have more and more if, if we can't figure out how to communicate with each other. Yes. And, and on top of that, you know, I want to just circle back on uh, the story regarding South Kingstown, because I don't know if you saw, but Linda Borg, who covers the education for the Providence Journal, who I, I think is one of the most biased reporters in the area. She's just beyond biased. And um, she actually wrote a story about the South Kingstown superintendent, I believe, going to resign. And at the, she puts it at the bottom about the mailer and instead throws out Justin Katz things like, well, you know, this conservative national group that's racist and they're driving all of this. It's uh, it's incredible that that type of stuff is allowed. It's supposed to be a non-biased uh, education reporter. Yeah, well, it's, it's all just so along the ideological lines. And I mean, maybe maybe that's a marketing decision for some of these news. I've noticed like WPRI has gone way left in the past year or so. And I don't know if that's, that's young, woke 
joining in or if it's more they've figured out their audience wants that content. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, it's, but yeah, it's, it's just so, so beyond and so kind of belittling of, of the real challenges we face. You know, if, if, if you're resisting something, you're, you're automatically a racist. So you don't get the, you, you don't, the media doesn't help people think through these actually very difficult issues we've got uh and i, I think i think that's what we see and it's in some regards like in south kingstown that's why they think they can get away with a lot of this stuff i think or why white house thinks he can get away with a lot of the stuff is because they know they're all on board with the basic ideology which is simple narrative they just push again and again and again uh, and it's you know the school committee's under siege by racists or or uh that alternative media is attacking our good Senator Whitehouse just repeatedly our critical race theory doesn't exist. It's really just teaching people about history, which is, which is nonsense. I wrote on, on Anchor Rising this week that Rhode Island's standards for U.S. history and school got an F from a, a national think a national foundation that reviews these things, an F. And that's, to me, the problem with critical race theory is it's not a supplement. It's, it's, it's replacing history they're not getting with, with a fake history. And I, I think we see that in a news media, too. It's just this relentless narrative. And it's, it's, I think it's dividing our country terribly and, and causing whole, all kinds of problems. And you could almost argue that that kind of attitude is contributing to dangerous situations, not only not only deaths where you know people who can't communicate with emergency workers on a beach after after a drowning, but but also gang violence and such in in the cities. This whole attitude uh, that that divides our country, I think, is is contributing to all of that. I think you're right. And Justin, finally, I, it's just something I noticed the other night. There was the uh, shooting. The off-duty uh, police officer from Pawtucket shot. Uh, apparently unarmed 18-year-old youth in West Greenwich. But it was just a reminder to me that as I'm at the scene and the West Greenwich police chief is going to have a press briefing. So you have West Greenwich has their own police department. Coventry has their own police department. I think Exeter is actually covered by the state police. But it's just it was just another example to me of, uh, like, I don't have any dealings with the West Greenwich police or the Coventry police. And you just wonder that, and no one's talking about it right now, but when you think about in Rhode Island, we should really just have, you know, the Kent County police and it covers all of Kent County and Washington County police. The fact that they all have different cars and different uniforms and different dispatchers and they all have different police chiefs. It, it, it is just and, and the whole element of the cities and towns, as you know, was designed that you had to have a town hall that was close enough that people could walk to it. So that's why. When you're talking about 39 cities and towns and all these different police departments, it's and on the on the East Bay, you know, Bristol, Barrington, Warren all have their own separate police departments and cars and dispatchers and chiefs. And it's um, it, it is just no one right now is talking about regionalization. But, you know, when you think about the expense of this and that. You know, as they're talking about it's getting harder to attract police, I haven't heard anyone say, you know, maybe we don't need all these different police departments. Well, yeah, I mean, I I worry about regionalization to some extent in Rhode Island. I mean, I, I where I see people who have an alternative view like we do uh, to the mainstream, where we can succeed is often at the local area. Whereas when you start to push things up to the state level, the, the statewide unions just become so much more powerful. I know well, that's true. In, I know in negotiating, uh, when I was on a council in Tiverton negotiating fire contracts, we were getting along with our local much better than, I mean, it, this, it was the state that was causing us problems in our negotiation and the, the larger unions. So I think I think that's an issue. And I also worry about, and we're seeing from the, well, Biden's really continuing from the Obama administration, the push to essentially make every everything a, a city state. So you fold the suburbs into, this, into the cities. Uh, and I think there's a danger there where you'll start to see your local taxes going to fund the Providence police, for example. Um, but there, there could definitely be more, more cooperation across lines. Um, and, and, you know, kind of a, it, it does seem, it also creates a problem where, you know, you get a, so another to become a, a chief or something and they're getting a pension and their pay and that start, that sort of thing could really, really be ironed out. But I, I, I do, 
I do think regionalization is a conversation we should be having because I'm sure a lot could be done to, to make things smoother, to lower expenses. I just, there is a, it's a, you do have to walk very carefully because there is a big pitfall that the unions I'm sure are salivating over in that direction. Folks, he is the managing editor at anchorrising.com. Justin, Justin, great job. And we will talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on. On MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today, MEGA Logistics, 401 431 2300. if it doesn't work properly, or maybe you have problems with it. I'll tell you what you should do. As I like to say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Easy to remember, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. I've used Ryan on several occasions, whether it's for your washing machine or maybe your dryer or the refrigerator, or your stove, or oven, or microwave, any appliance. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. I was having a problem with our our clothes dryer. What would happen? It wouldn't turn on. No way they were going to dry the clothes. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair. He fixed that in about five minutes. Then the oven wouldn't heat up. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. He fixed, the, he fixed the, the oven in about five minutes. Folks, call them. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor. Senior citizens discounts are available and Saturday appointments are available. Come on, call Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever guaranteed call lawn doctor today check out their website lawndoctor.com or call them 401-392-1025